Grab your mason jars, strap on that apron. It's time for Canning with the Diva. Making her mark across the globe. Teaching you how to safely preserve delicious recipes. Please welcome your host, Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. Hey everyone, it's Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva, and you have tuned in to season three of Canning with the Diva. So excited to have you guys, and I'm really happy to be back in the studio. I've had a very uh, fast-paced start to the new year, and I am just happy to be back here with all of you. I've got a lot of really great things in the works, and I'm excited over the next few weeks to be sharing with you all of the updates. For those of you new to my show, be sure to follow me on social media at Canning Diva and stop over at my website at canningdiva.com because I want to make sure that you stay in the loop with all of the fun things I have in store for all of my fellow food preservationists. You can sign up for my newsletter at canningdiva.com and you will be the first to know as I launch more books. I have a online canning university I'm launching. I've got a lot of good stuff in store, so definitely stay connected. And of course, subscribe to my podcast so that every time I launch a new one, you are you are first in line to tune in. Today's episode, I'm going to focus on home canning dried beans. Now, the purpose and goal with my podcast today is to give you the knowledge and of course, instructions so that you can safely preserve beans and legumes in jars for long-term storage. Now, obviously, there's a lot of reasons to have this, you know, ready-to-eat bean, you know, combo or singularly, there's a reason to have all of these beans and legumes ready to eat in your pantry shelf. Um, For most of us who eat meat, it's a complementary item to add additional protein to our diets. And for those of you who don't eat meat, this could very well be your main source of protein. So having a well-rounded pantry, ensuring that you have consumable protein on those shelves is huge. Um, Also, when you learn how to home can dried beans, it helps you retain more of the nutrients from the beans. And so that way, also, you're not consuming a bunch of additives and high sodium from those that you would buy in the store. We can control what goes into each jar, and um, it really is, uh, you know, giving nutrition back to our systems. Plus, having this on your pantry shelf makes meal creation so much easier. Uh, for those of you who are just new to home canning and preserving food in jars, um, you may have been used to purchasing your your beans in aluminum cans, right? Um, the beauty of that is they're already pre-cooked. Everything is ready to go. You simply just dump it into your recipe or drain and rinse and then use it in your recipe. The preface is the same when it comes to home canning. Nothing changes. It is ready to eat. And that is huge when you don't have time to pre-soak your beans. Also, with today's episode... I'm going to share with you sound science and information about pre-soaking beans and how it's not necessary. 
all we do when we pre-soak beans is help it to soften so that way we can speed up cooking time. But some individuals who have to watch their dietary needs and cannot consume a lot of lectins, like if you have liver problems or if you have health issues that, um, you know, you're staying away from those things, um, you definitely want to pre-soak your beans. But I'm going to share with you like the science behind it. There's some real science and there's a real culinary benefit to pre-soaking. And there's some reasons why we want to pre-soak prior to canning and other reasons why we don't need to. So I, I want to lay that all out for you to make it easy to understand, especially when you get online and there's a bunch of keyboard warriors trying to scare you to pieces, you know, telling you it's unsafe if you don't do this, that or the other but they have nothing to back it up. So we're gonna back it up today and dive right in. Also, let me see here, what else am I gonna do for you today? Oh, we're gonna go over a recipe. So I'm gonna share with you several recipes on how to use your home canned dried beans. I don't want you to put them all up in a jar and then go, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> I wanna give you ways in which you can use them in meal creation and enjoy consuming them year after year. Okay, so for starters, um, what I want to do is talk a bit about dried beans as a whole. Um, there is, a, like I said, a lot of misinformation out there as to this, this hardcore debate, you know, to soak or not to soak your beans. Well, if you want to soak your beans, there is, believe it or not, a right way to go about doing it. And overnight isn't always the best for the particular bean. You know, what one bean can withstand, another may not. And it's going to differentiate drastically from, say, for instance, a black bean versus a navy or a northern bean versus a gabonzo bean, which is a chickpea. Having a variety of different types means they don't all get treated the same when it comes to soaking. What I want you all to take away from this, this episode is Soaking your dried beans prior to canning is truly a preference of your own. It's a personal preference, you know, whether you have dietary restrictions um, or you, you just feel like you're doing something better for your beans. If you feel like you really need to soak them, okay, you really don't want to go more than six hours. Okay, soaking them overnight is perfect, right? If you're going to cook them on your stovetop, pre-soaking in order to soften them to consume them immediately. You're going to cook them. When you pre-soak your beans for 12 or more hours prior to pressure canning them, what happens is, is you're creating now an extremely dense environment within the mason jar. As those beans who have already been overly soaked are now being exposed to excessive heat, they break open. They can't retain their shape any longer. And what happens is you're now creating that mashed potato-like or refried bean-like conditions in the jar, which is actually more unsafe than it is had you just put the clean dried beans into a jar and covered them with water and then pressure canned them. So if you feel or you have reasons, you may soak your dried beans for upwards of six hours, drain the water and go ahead and, and then pressure can them. Otherwise, putting them in a jar unsoaked isn't going to harm anything because here's the misinformation out there. The misinformation is that if you don't soak your beans, those harmful toxins are going to kill you or they're going to make you very sick. Actually, that isn't true. 
those harmful toxins that many you know throw that term around quite loosely, they get killed by exposure to heat. Now, some of that can leach out into the water. And the longer you soak them, the more things leach out. But the more things that leach out aren't always the negative. You're also leaching out a lot of the positives, which means the nutrition. And just because there's this this very common sense of cooking in the mindset, right? We, we think of cooking first. We don't always think of canning first. We think of cooking first. The adage of soaking those beans stuck with us in our brains. So therefore we think if we don't soak them, something bad is going to hap them, happen before we cook or can them. Technically, you don't even have to pre-soak your beans if you're going to cook them. It just really, really speeds up the processing time and allows you to then consume them. Because see, without heat, ladies and gentlemen, without cooking the beans, that alone right there is what will make us extremely sick. That is why you don't see raw beans sitting in your grocery store, right? They have to either be cooked to be consumed and sold, right? Or they have to be dried to be sold so that you can later cook them to consume them. So that is unfortunately the misinformation floating out there. We've gotten so used to soaking our beans that there's this misconception. If you don't do that prior to canning them, you're doing something wrong or harmful. And that is untrue. And so now you are equipped with that information. Um, some of the lectins, like I was mentioning earlier, they're sugar binding proteins. So, so there is some science behind this and lectins are known for their ability to kind of cause some cell membrane alterations and they kind of can be um, a detriment to those that are already having issues because they interfere with the cellular metabolism. Okay. But among the lectins known to have these toxic effects, they have, and don't get me wrong, they're there. They're in high levels in, in different seeds of legumes. That is the toxin that we need to be wary of, okay? Soaking them doesn't get rid of that toxin, okay? The only thing that gets rid of that toxin is 212 degrees for 10 minutes. Now, that's not saying that you can do that in a jar, okay? What we're trying to do with, with pressure canning is make things shelf-stable for long-term storage. What I'm referring to with regards to that toxin to be completely destroyed when we're talking lagoons, beans, okay? We need to make sure that we are exposing it to boiling water temperatures for 10 minutes in order for it to be safely consumed. It has to be fully cooked, okay? That's why you'll see a lot of information out there saying, hey, to be safe, boil your beans for at least 30 minutes before you eat them, just to be completely sure that all the toxins are destroyed. It is like this, it's like the safety mechanism, right? Go a little longer just to make sure that somebody doesn't mess it up. When in all technicality and from the science, it says you really only need 10 minutes at 212 degrees to completely destroy the toxins. Now, if you are going to cook your dried beans and you're going to use a slow cooker, all right, I'm not talking about canning. If you're going to use a slow cooker, that is another kind of unsafe environment because you're not getting the internal temperature of the beans to the desired and required amount to kill and properly fully cook, okay? So that is why pre-soaking, so that way it cooks faster 
and the water and heat can penetrate the bean is so crucial. So going back to what I was first said, when it comes to home canning and we are pressure canning these dried beans without pre-soaking or even with pre-soaking, it really doesn't matter because you're exposing those beans to over 240 degrees Fahrenheit, 90 minutes for quarts and 75 minutes for pints. We have more than safely killed any toxin. We've destroyed it. We've denatured it. It is not going to be toxic to us. And that is that is not because we soaked it. That is because we cooked it. Now, some will argue that if you don't pre-soak the bean, your beans will be hard when you pressure can them. And that is so untrue. What happens when we're pressure canning and, and creating meals you know, to preserve using home canning if we expose a bean to an acid too soon, that is how we unfortunately wind up with hard beans when we go to open a jar and eat it. Let me explain. For those of you who have purchased my cookbook, The Complete Guide to Pressure Canning, you'll notice in my chapter where I give you a bunch of really fun, delicious recipes using beans and legumes and lentils, you will see Sometimes I'm going to instruct you to pre-soak. It's called a fast soak or a quick soak. It means you're going to make sure your beans are clean. You're going to put them into a pot of, of um, a stock pot, excuse me. You'll cover them with water and you're going to bring them to a hard boil. And you're going to then cover them, remove them from heat and allow that to steep for upwards of an hour. The reason I'm telling you to do that is because within that recipe, we are going to be introducing an acid, usually in the form of tomatoes, but there are other, it's usually tomatoes, but there are other acidic foods that we'll be using depending on what it is you're creating and canning. And if you don't give it a little bit of a leg up before you introduce that acid, even with the pressure canning time and temperature, the beans might be a little bit harder when you go to eat them. Another reason why beans are hard after pressure canning them is because they were old. Now you, I'm sure have run into this. I know I have. I will always have dried beans stored in airtight containers. I don't can all of my beans. I make sure that I have a very well-rounded pantry and I keep some in their dried state and others I make sure I preserve in jars so that they're ready to eat. If we're not paying attention to rotating our food supply and we're not catching those time, you know, you got to put the date and, and the, the year of which you've placed that into your pantry, you need to also notate, okay, when was this packaged, right? If you're not paying attention to that and your beans start getting older, meaning you need to get those dried beans in a jar within a year or less. You don't want them to go longer than a year in storage before canning them. So what I'll often do is I will keep track on my, my, my little spreadsheet of when they were placed into the airtight container. And as I start approaching anywhere between six and eight months, because a lot of it depends on how busy we are and what we have going on, I get it. But between those six and eight months, that time frame, I'm now purchasing new dried beans and the beans that were in storage are now getting used in recipes for home canning. And they're now being stored long-term on the pantry shelf. And you can get upwards of three to five years from your home canned goods if they're stored properly. 
So for those of you who have made some of my recipes using your older beans, and you're like, my goodness, I love its flavor, but the beans seem kind of crunchy. You've got to be mindful of how old they are. And if you don't store them correctly, meaning a dark, dry place, okay, no sunlight, indirect or direct, and you want to make sure that they're in an airtight container, and that could be that could be a Rubbermaid container, um, it could be Tupperware, um, and they, we've got a lot of airtight things on the market nowadays. It could even be a food grade five gallon bucket, you know, depending on how many you buy at a time or if you buy in bulk. Okay. But if you're not storing them properly, you are going to run into that issue. Now, if they are old, there are workarounds and that pre-soaking comes right into play. So I want, I'll stop here for just a moment because I want to make sure for all of you tuning in, I'm not anti-soaking. Okay. I'm not out there telling everybody, do it my way or hit the highway. What I'm giving you is knowledge so that you can make sound decisions in your own home kitchen. There are a variety of reasons when I will pre-soak my beans. For instance, my mixed bean medley, because we're using so many different types, which includes lentils, it has kidney beans, it has it has a, such a wide variety of bean in it, I know that I need to pre-soak some. Others are going to explode because... Black beans specifically, they're thin, they're thin skinned. And so pre-soaking them usually is going to split that skin open and they're going to be the first to burst. It's also why those of you who use black beans in your canning, everything turns black in the jar. <laughs> it's because they just can't take it, right? Um, whereas others, like a garbanzo bean, you know, it, it, it won't hurt it really to, to give it a nice pre-soak. It has a, a thicker outer shell to it. And so it just takes that much more heat and moisture to penetrate through it in order to properly hydrate it and then cook it. So I'm not anti-soaking. What I am is anti-over-soaking. And this notion that we have to pre-soak our home canned, you know, beans for 24 hours before putting them in a jar is asinine. It's actually to your detriment. It's, it's, it's putting you in a position to not be safe for two reasons. The first reason from a safety standpoint is you're creating then an overly dense environment within your jar after pressure canning. And number two, from a nutritional standpoint, after 12 hours, you've not only leached out all the lectins and, and potential um, dietary you know, aspects that you're trying to avoid, you're also leaching out nutrients. And the biggest reason we home can and preserve is because we know it goes in every jar and we want nutritious food. Why would we take out the nutrition prior to canning it, also that we can what follow this asinine rule that you must soak. It's not a rule, folks. And that is the biggest takeaway I want you to have in today's episode. There was a um, study done, and this was by primarybeans.com. I was really impressed and thankful that they took the time to, you know, test this, if you will, because there is a huge debate over whether or not you need to soak your beans in advance to cooking them. And some of the arguments say that if you soak it, it leads to more even cooking. But again, that's only for certain varieties. Okay, chickpeas, cannelli beans. And then in the example I gave you with black beans, that isn't the case. So it truly depends on the beans. Okay. And the other, the other um, you know, debate is if if you if you don't soak them they're not going to cook through all the way. And that, that was also debunked. Um, 
again, that six hour rule is probably the safest because here's another factor. A lot of individuals who soak, pre-soak their beans, whether they're cooking or canning, they don't take into account. And I'm thankful that this, this test was done to kind of look at all of these angles. Bacteria growth. Now, when, when you leave beans in the stock pot for 24 hours or more, even you start getting into 18 hours, what happens is natural. And that is bacteria is going to grow in that water. It's going to grow amongst those beans. You are sitting your, your beans in an environment perfect for bacteria growth because we know that bacteria grows the fastest between 40 and 70 degrees. Well, that's room temperature, ladies and gentlemen. That is why we have always been, we've had it, you know, drilled into our brains, get the leftovers cooled off from dinner and get them in the refrigerator as soon as possible because we don't want them in that temperature danger zone for longer than they need to be because we know why. Bacteria grows. Same thing's going to happen with these beans that are now being rehydrated. You've activated a process by, by now adding moisture back to them. And if you're not careful with controlling the temperature and the environment that they're in, you will grow bacteria in that stock pot. That is the main reason why, on top of, of course, those that are having to watch their lectin intake and some of the other um, you know, negative attributes, that is why people dump their soaking water. It's not because if you cook your beans in their soaking water, you're doing something harmful for yourself. No, 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 no. Because again, remember, with the exposure to heat, you are killing anything or denaturing, destroying any toxin to the human. The biggest thing that I see is, how do I say this politely? The farting issue. <laughs> People say that if they don't soak their beans and cook them for long enough, it gives them gas. Okay. I get that. I totally get that. That is why I'm not anti-soaking. I just want you to soak in a manner that is not only safe, but also effective. And so you want to soak those beans for six hours prior to putting them in a jar for a canning recipe? Knock yourself out. Go right ahead. And remember what I told you about my recipes in the Complete Guide to Pressure Canning. When we're exposing the beans to acid, I am having you pre-soak. Maybe not all the time, but I, I have gone through the painstaking process of creating and testing and testing again a variety of different recipes so that you get a positive outcome. All right. So speaking of recipes, let's talk a little bit about the recipes that you can create and how to get some of these dried beans into your jars for long-term storage. Now, I have a complete uh, dried bean and legume processing chart that's in the Complete Guide to Pressure Canning. It's on page 65. And again, I went through that painstaking process to determine giving the size and density of the bean and how much you need per pint and how much you need per quart to keep it from, you know, either being too much in a jar or too little. There is a specific science and math behind how this is going to work. So let me give you a couple examples. Black beans, we referenced those earlier. And I know after testing these that it takes three quarter cup dried beans. And of course they're clean, right? You've already gone through them. You've rinsed them. You've removed anything misshapen or disfigured. Uh, rocks even, sometimes some rocks get in the bag. So you're sorting and cleaning your beans before they go into the jar, but they're going in dried, not pre-soaked. 
it's three quarters cup for every pint and one and a half cups for every quart. You then fill the, jar, the remainder of the jar with water, fresh water, and you then fill it to one inch of headspace. And then of course you process in a pressure canner, 75 minutes for pints and 90 minutes for quarts. Navy beans follows that same rule of thumb because not only is the shape that uh, size, right? But it is also uh, indicative of, don't laugh, let's see here, a garbanzo bean. So ironically enough, even though it's not the same shape, I know that three quarters of a cup is going to fill a pint jar, as is one and a half cups of garbanzo beans is going to fill a quart jar. Um, where we start getting a little tricky are lentils. Lentils, for as tiny as they are, they really absorb a lot of water. But because they're so tiny, you get a lot more volume in a smaller amount. So a lentil would be a quarter cup of dried lentils to every pint and a half a cup to every quart. And you're probably thinking, my goodness, a half a cup is going to fill that entire four cup volume. You'll be surprised if you start to deviate too much from that. What is going to happen is you want to pack more in there. Your jar is going to then get it put in the pressure canner. It's then going to get very hot, obviously, right? We're up 240 plus degrees. And then what happens? There's no more room in that jar for those lentils to expand. So they got to go somewhere and they're going to be a very hot mess in the vessel of your pressure canner. So, and your lid's not going to seal and you're going to waste all that food. So stick with the ratios that have been tested to make it a lot easier. Now, I also have on my website these instructions. So in the event you're driving and you can't take notes, no worries. You can always head over to canningdiva.com or like I said, purchase my cookbook, The Complete Guide to Pressure Canning, where I give everything to you step-by-step and then some really awesome recipes for canning um, so you can have one quart meals and soups and stews on hand. Okay, so regardless of what bean it is, following the dried quantity per jar is essential. And then adding the water and then processing in your pressure canner. One of the questions I get asked a lot of, however, is uh, what do I do if I have hard water? Or what do I do if I'm kind of on the verge? Those beans are old. I'm just now tuning into your podcast. I didn't realize that I should, you know, preserve these in a jar within a year. And that's okay because we understand that, you know, beans will last if they're stored properly upwards of five years. You want to use them within five years um, if they're stored properly because after a while they will start to lose some of their nutritional value. But that's why they're dried. It's, it, it takes a lot longer. Um, but from a canning perspective, if you have older beans and you don't want to toss them and you want to put them in a jar or use them in a recipe, you can soften your water and you do so by adding salt. So for every gallon of water, add three tablespoons of salt. Some individuals will also use um, uh, baking soda instead of salt. Uh, either way, what it's doing is it's, it's softening your water, which is huge because that's going to and then in turn helps soften the beans a little bit better for you with, when you're when you're soaking them. I wouldn't put the salted or the baking soda water within the jar. That is going to give you a too high sodium. Ugh, it'll be disgusting. It's only used to pre-soak. And what it's doing is helping break down that um, older skin, 
you know, that older flush out exterior is the right word of the bean. So that way the water can start penetrating. Um, where I've seen things go awry online is some websites are telling people to add acid, you know, go ahead and add vinegar or lemon juice, which is very counterintuitive to the whole soaking process because we know that exposure to acid too soon, which soaking is the soonest, right? It's going to make it tougher. So uh, if you happen to stumble across that, just keep on scrolling, ladies and gentlemen. Make your water soft, not acidic. There is a difference. All right, let me give you a fun recipe that is, is it's something that I know many of you online, when you follow me on social media or, you, or you're part of my website, you've made this. I've heard nothing but positive feedback, which I'm happy because this recipe is technically my grandma's and um, my family just, just loves eating it. It's very reminiscent of my mom and her sisters growing up. And it's, it's near and dear to me for not only that nostalgic reason, but once you create your own home-styled baked beans, you're not going to be buying baked beans uh, at the store anymore. <laughs> you're going to, you are definitely going to make your own and it is so worthwhile and so delicious. And um, it's, it's a process. I'm not going to lie. You're going to put some time into this recipe and I'm very specific. If, if you have my book, it's on page 68 and 69. It's a, it's a two-page recipe for the reason that there's so many steps that are very important because we want a very robust flavor profile. We don't want to double, triple, quadruple this recipe and lose that amazing flavor, which, which will happen. Plus, you can control the amount of sauce going into each jar. And I've often told people, because we, there's a lot of acid, in this recipe, I instruct you to pre-soak for sure. In this regard, I want you to simmer it actually for 30 minutes because I know the amount of acid in the sauce is very, very high. If you have um, older beans and you soak them or you just like to have more sauce, I've been telling individuals to double the sauce and then add just a tad bit less of the bean mixture per jar and a little bit more sauce. It helps balance the ratio out because even I have noticed, depending on either the age of the bean or the type of the bean that I picked up at that particular time, because even though it's the same, it was grown possibly in a different environment, different soil, you know how that goes. Um, sometimes I've made this and it, and it came out a bit drier until I reheated it. So if you want it to have that nice liquid effect, even in the jar during storage, doubling the sauce and adding it will not hurt at all. Um, just keep in mind, if you don't double the sauce, you follow my recipe to a T. When you go to heat it to serve it, it will, you know, bring that liquid will come back. A lot of the fat is coagulated and the, the sauce becomes a bit more solid once it's cooled. So don't panic if you if you make this recipe and you're like looking on your pantry like that is not how I envision this. <laughs> it's not always going to look like what you see in the store, and for good reason. We're not adding you know preservatives and additives and chemicals and you know taking nutrients out but then putting them back in. I mean we're not doing that in home canning. We are as as close to you know original natural cooking as possible because we're controlling what goes into every jar.
Okay, so this recipe, I'm gonna run through the ingredients so that you have it on hand. If again, you're driving and tuning in or you're cleaning and tuning in and you don't have a pen and, and paper handy, no worries. You can pick this recipe up at my website at canningdiva.com. It's homestyle baked beans. But for those of you that are ready to write this all down, here we go. You're going to start with two and a half cups of dried navy bean or great northern bean. And two and a half cups dried yields uh, 16 ounces. You want 12 to 14 ounces of smoked bacon thick cut. Now, uncured is preferred, but if all you have on hand is cured bacon, you can use it. That's another misnomer out there that if you use bacon it's or ham, it's not safe in home canning, and that couldn't be further from the truth. You want one large sweet onion diced so that you yield one and a half cups of diced sweet onion. Six garlic cloves minced. You want one and a half cups of chicken stock. Three quarter cups of packed dark brown sugar. Three quarter cup of tomato paste, which is technically six ounces. A half a cup of blackstrap molasses. Ooh, I had trouble saying that one. Blackstrap molasses. A quarter cup of apple cider vinegar. A quarter cup of ketchup, and that can be store-bought or your own home canned. Two tablespoons of Worcestershire sauce. Two tablespoons of Dijon mustard. One teaspoon of coarse sea salt. Half a teaspoon of cayenne pepper. And a half a teaspoon of ground black pepper. Yummy. All right. Now, as I mentioned, regardless of what recipe you're creating, when you're using dried beans, you want to thoroughly rinse them in a colander. You want to clean them. You want to sort through them. Make sure you're discarding anything disfigured or shriveled up, any rocks or debris that might have gotten into the bag. Spend a few minutes doing that properly while the water's running. And just it also helps kind of soak off or get off some of that dirt. I should say rinse off, not soak. Um, sometimes beans are still dirty you know, from, from being harvested and they do their best when they're, you know, bringing them to the processing plant, but uh, go ahead and spend some time making sure they're clean. Now in a large pot, I want you to add the dried beans with enough water to cover them by a good two inches. And I want you to bring it to a boil over medium high heat. Now you're going to boil this hard for five minutes and then you're going to reduce it to low and you're going to simmer with the lid on for a half an hour. Then I want you to turn the burner off, keep the lid on, and just let it steep. Using kitchen scissors, cut the bacon into one inch long, one, <laughs> one inch long, I'm having trouble today, one inch long pieces, okay, and you're going to place them into a deep skillet. So a nice deep walled skillet, maybe a good three inch tall, because we're going to be, we're going to be making the sauce and we want to have it deep enough so that way it doesn't overflow. If you don't use kitchen scissors, just cut those bacon pieces into one inch long pieces. And, and basically what you want to see on the end of the fork. I get asked this a lot. Okay, I'm not using a ruler, Diane. So how big is too big? It depends on what you want to see on the end of your fork. If you want them sm if smaller, if you want to take those strips and cut them up smaller, you're welcome to do so. I like one inch because as it cooks down, it's going to shrink a little bit. So this way you can really get a, get a nice bite of bacon when you're eating the homestyle baked beans. 
Okay, so using medium heat in that skillet, I want you to cook the bacon until it's lightly browned, but not overly crisp. It takes about eight to 10 minutes. And then I want you to remove the bacon pieces with a slotted spoon and set those aside in the bowl. And I want you to reserve that bacon grease. Keep it in the skillet. From there, I want you to add the onion and the garlic, and I want you to cook it until the onions are translucent, which takes roughly five to eight minutes. In a large bowl, I then want you to whisk together the chicken stock, dark brown sugar, tomato paste, molasses, vinegar, ketchup, Worcestershire sauce, Dijon mustard, the salt, the cayenne pepper, and the black pepper. I want you to whisk that really well until everything is very well blended and then set that aside. Now, in the meantime, um, your onions, your garlic, everything's done. Your bacon has cooled. I then want you to drain those beans of yours in a colander, shake off any excess liquid, and I want you to add those beans to the skillet that has the onions and the garlic in it. And I want you to then crumble up that bacon. Um, I want you to add it. I want you to mix it. And now I want you to heat it through on medium high heat just to get everything to blend well. Let it heat through, which is about five minutes. We now want to mix everything together with those beans. From there, I want you to then add the sauce to the skillet, turn up the heat, bring it to a boil. And we're going to stir it frequently because now that we have this, you know, tomato base sauce in that skillet, we want to keep it from scorching. Tomatoes can get a scorched flavor very, very easily. And we definitely don't want to scorch this or the whole batch will taste burnt. So we're only going to stir and boil for about two minutes before removing it from the heat. Ladle the hot beans into pint jars, leaving a generous one inch headspace. Now, when I've made this, and I've made this a lot, I yield five pints. If you want to make this and double it, you'll want to keep things separate. So you're essentially creating two single batches on your stovetop at the exact same time. You don't wanna, you don't want to um, commingle. And I know that's really a pain in the butt. I know it is because it's more, I, I get it. It is more dishes to clean. It is more space being used up on the stovetop. But trust me, you'll thank me because you'll be able to keep that flavor profile. Let's go back to ladling the hot beans into the pint jars. You leave a generous one inch headspace. And when I say generous, that means you're going a quarter inch below the one inch mark. And that's a visual. You have got to look at that to see that because unfortunately our headspace measuring tool only goes to one inch. So leave a generous inch of headspace and I want you to use your air bubble remover tool and I want you to tap down and remove any air pockets so that you can evenly distribute the sauce among the five pint jars, okay? So once you get all the beans ladled in there, I want you to go back through with your ladle and add additional sauce to make sure that you are getting enough sauce into every jar. You're going to fill that then, keep it at the one inch, uh, generous one inch headspace. Wipe the jar rim with a washcloth dipped in vinegar to get through any greasy or um, salty, sugary, any, any residue on that jar rim. It's very important to keep that jar rim clean. The vinegar will naturally cut through that and um, it's a bacteria fighter. So gives it that leg up, right? Place your jars in your pressure canner. And again, depending on 
you know, where you reside, what your elevation is. We want to start at the, you know, 10 PSI mark. And then depending on your canner type, if it's a weighted or a dial, you either do 10 or 11 PSI at zero elevation. You have to increase that based on where you live. And you're going to process pints for 75 minutes. Now, you'll notice I did not create this recipe in quart size jars. Um, and I did that for good reason. I'm really trying to keep that flavor profile intact, which is why I also suggest if you are doubling it, you're creating two separate single batches. They can all get processed in the in the pressure canner at the same time. You can put all 10 pints in there, especially if you've got, you know, a 23 quart pressure canner with a second flat rack, then you can double stack. But I just want to make sure that you are truly enjoying what I have intended regarding flavor in this recipe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that I have given you some really good insight, some good instruction and tip to preserving those uh, dried beans, whether, like I said, it's in the homestyle big bean uh, recipe, or you just want to have a variety of beans on hand. Uh, for more details, head over to my website at canningdiva.com and there is a complete section on beans and lagoons. So you will get all of these amazing tips reiterated and some additional fun recipes. Tune in next time where I have lots more to share and of course, lots more to unveil. I can't wait. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Canning with the Diva. For tips, recipes, and techniques, please visit us online at canningdiva.com.